This message was recorded at Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our goal is to faithfully preach the Word of God for the salvation of sinners, the strengthening of believers, and the glory of God. Please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org and listen for more information at the conclusion of this message. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, come again uh, before You in the name of Jesus. Lord, as always, uh, we approach the truth of Your Word as we uh, come for instruction. We look to You for understanding. Because of our sin, the corruption of our hearts and minds, we, we, uh, we're incapable. We're incapable of discerning even simple things concerning right and wrong, and certainly spiritual things, things concerning you, we're incapable of grasping, incapable of knowing. And even as Christians, Lord, we find too often that uh, we are dull of mind and dull of heart. But we look to you and ask that you open our hearts to receive your truth, grant illumination so that we may not only hear with our physical ears, but so that we may understand, so that we may grasp the significance of Your Word for us, for our lives, for the world around us. We pray, Lord, give us understanding And I ask that You would enable me to uh, deliver the message You would have delivered here plainly and accurately. Guard us from misrepresenting You. May all these things be done in order to bring honor and glory to Your name. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Be seated. Just a little bit of a recap here, just to kind of remind you where we are. We've been, uh, well, spent the last several weeks uh, in this study of Habakkuk and moving through the book. Um, And it's an interesting book. Uh, It's an interesting revelation because, uh, again, as the way it's presented in in the form of a dialogue, where it's 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 like being able to overhear. A conversation, uh, in this case, between God's prophet and God Himself, uh, the prophet Habakkuk. So remember, in the beginning, started this dialogue started with questions. Habakkuk is asking God why these things are so. Why is there evil in the world? More specifically, he's wanting to know why his own society uh, has the corruption that, that it has. Uh, why are these things allowed to go on? The uh, the wicked uh, hold places of authority. There is injustice. There is uh, violence. There is contention and strife. And he wants to know why God allows these things to be among His people. Interesting question. And then God answers again in chapter 1 
uh, in an unexpected way, no doubt, uh, and says essentially, uh, I am doing something about it. I am bringing judgment. But I'm going to do it in such a way that if someone had told you, you wouldn't believe it. Because I'm going to bring judgment on the nation of Israel through a nation more wicked than they are. The Chaldeans. Babylon. And so Habakkuk comes back with another set of questions and essentially asks, how can you do that, God? How, how can you? You are holy. You cannot look upon evil. How can you use the wicked to destroy a people more righteous than themselves? And this is where we, the second answer, the second uh, section of, of answers here is where we find ourselves this morning, where the Lord is again answering Habakkuk's question. And He does it by explaining that they too will be judged. He's using the Chaldeans, the, Babylon, the Babylonians, to bring judgment on the nation of Israel. And as we know, as we talked about before, it was uh, 597 B.C. when Jerusalem fell to uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Jews were carried off into captivity. Uh, so he used the Babylonians to bring judgment on the nation of Israel and now he is assuring the prophet that they too will be judged. That is, the Babylonians, the Chaldeans. They too will be judged. Now, keep one thing in mind here uh, because you might, we might tend to think that uh, um, if, if, if you were in Habakkuk's shoes and you asked these questions and God gave this answer, this is kind of the answer you've been waiting for, basically. God is saying, I am going to judge the wicked. So righteousness will prevail in the end. But keep in mind here, when, when God is, is making these things known to Habakkuk, he's, he's revealing to him something that will take place far in the future. So Habakkuk still has to go through this period of Jerusalem being destroyed and the people being carried away into captivity, Babylonian rule. All of these things have to play out before the final judgment. In fact, I would say that there are references here to the final judgment of the wicked, which is still in our future. The Babylonian Empire has, uh, is long gone. But uh, uh, I think there's a wider application here. So as, as we look at the Lord's judgment on Babylon, we could say in one sense that this is a word to all of the wicked, all of the rebellious. And let me say that another way. And, and we'll try to bear this out as we go. This is a reference to all unbelievers, those who do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm, I'm trying to be very specific here because a lot of times when we hear the words heathen or wicked or something like that, we, uh, we, we kind of tend to think of some really small category of people, small in number. I mean, we, we, can, take, we can take the Hitlers and the Husseins of the world and the Jeffrey Dahmers and and uh, Ted Bundy's, all of those guys, and we can lump them, we can put them over in that category. That's the wicked 
of the world and God will bring judgment on them. No, uh, the wicked that the Lord is referring to is just simply unbelievers. Anybody living in rebellion to the Lord. Now, that's kind of revealed in a progressive way throughout Scripture, but that's where it comes down. At the end of the book, you might say, when, when Jesus comes on the scene and is revealed, and He, he makes this distinction. Two, two categories of people. Believers and unbelievers. Believers and unbelievers. And so anybody that's not following the Lord Jesus Christ in faith falls into this category of unbeliever because they're in rebellion against the will of God and therefore judgment is sure for them. So, as we look at this, just keep that in mind. It Specifically, the prophecy here is referring to Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. But it has application in this sense that it could apply to all unbelievers. And uh, one more application here, and that would be, we, there's kind of an analogy or a parallel here um, in that it, it would apply to our ultimate enemy, sin, Satan, okay? Um, death. Death is the final enemy that will be put under Jesus' feet. So it, it is a word for us that our enemies will be conquered in the end. Now, I, I went to a, uh, well, this is just kind of one way that this hits home for me. I went to a, a funeral a visitation uh, this week for a, uh, a 14-year-old boy. And when you see a 14-year-old boy laying in a casket who just a week prior was perfectly healthy, um, the reality of death sting of death, the apparent, I emphasize that word, the apparent victory of death, those things really kind of hit home. Death in a real way, and I think we shouldn't lose sight of this, death in a real way is our enemy. <laughs> it's our enemy. But now, having said that, when we're just talking about physical death, uh, we should not fear physical death. And I think we have to view it as the enemy because ultimately, even physical death, Jesus is going to bring an end to it. Now, I know ultimately, uh, spiritual death is, is of more significance. And uh, when, when Paul talks about death being put under the feet of Christ, that's what's in view ultimately. No more spiritual death, no spiritual death for those who follow the Lord. But also, uh, uh, a part of that is the fact that physical death will be done away. So, we're talking about a time here when all the enemies of God are finally and fully destroyed, overcome. Now, that will include uh, people who have rebelled against God and against God's will. That will include Satan himself and every demon, however many there are, and that will include, as we just said, death itself. So, 
Again, keep those things in mind. This, this, this is about Habakkuk, uh, the people of Israel, and Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians, but it also has a much wider application for us. So we can also view it as being about God's people of all ages and uh, the victory that God promises over our enemies. All right. Um, this is the revelation that God gives to Habakkuk. Now, I, I want to... That is, that there's, there's going to be victory over the enemies eventually. Eventually. Not immediate, but eventually. And I, and I want to point out, in the meantime, that's what we're going to talk about this morning, two roads. Two roads that, that can be taken. And I think we see this in verse 4. Behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. But, here's the distinction, but the just shall live by faith. Or live by his faith. So, you have this distinction that I already made earlier. You've got this contrast. Two categories Believers and unbelievers. The proud representing the unbelievers here in this verse. Their soul is not upright in them. So they're the unrighteous, the proud, the unrighteous. And, and by the way, I, I think it's, it's uh, correct to say pride is, is, is at the very essence of all sin. If you want to get to what sin is, let's, let's boil, boil it down, because we can talk about uh, various kinds of sin, aspects of sin. But I think if you're going to get down to the nitty-gritty, the very root of it, uh, that would be pride. Pride is not a sin. I think it's at the heart of all sin. It's, it's the es- at the essence of sin. Um, it was because of pride that Eve and Adam rebelled against the Lord in the Garden of Eden. It was because of pride that Satan exalted himself, uh, sinning against the living God. And it's because of pride that we have committed every sin that we have committed in our lives. So behold the proud, the Lord says to Habakkuk. Look at the proud. His soul is not upright in him. That kind of sums up right there uh, the character of the unbeliever. He's, he's proud. He's given over to a life of self-seeking. He or she. I'm saying he, but it's he or she. He or she is given over to a life of self-seeking rather than seeking the glory of God. So you've got this, this one road, the road of the proud, the road of the self-seeking. And then secondly the road of faith. But the just shall live by faith. So, so the life of the proud is, is a life of self-seeking, rebellion against God, and the life of faith is a life of submission to God and to His will. The proud versus the faithful. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by his faith. Now, I already mentioned a moment ago, <clears throat> the 
the path of the proud or the heart of the proud. He's self-seeking, seeking his own glory. But the just seeks the glory of God. So you've got, you've got two roads with two different ends. One leads to death, destruction. There's a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is death. And the other road leads to life and glory. Verse 14, if I could skip ahead just for a moment. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, that's, that's the end for the believers. That's the end for those who live by faith. If, you, if, you're, on, if you're on the road of faith, following hard after Jesus Christ, then this is what you've got to look forward to. The glory of God. The knowledge of the glory of God. In fact, we, we can look forward to living in a place, just what we were just singing about, where uh, <clears throat> we'll sin no more, because the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. But if you're traveling the other road, that of the proud, whose heart is not upright in him, then what you have to look forward to is judgment. So again, two categories. Believer, unbeliever. Life of faith, life of pride. Seeking the glory of God versus seeking self-glory. A life of selfishness. Now, this is the heart of their sin. Look at, look at some of the, the indictments here. Uh, verse 5, indeed. Uh, now, now, most of this, I, I told you there's two roads, but most of what he's talking about here is, is the unbelievers, the wicked. Uh, again, specifically, the prophecies concerning the, the Babylonians and Nebuchadnezzar. And verse 5, indeed, because he transgresses by wine, he is a proud man. And he does not stay at home because he enlarges his desire as hell or Sheol. And he is like death and cannot be satisfied. This is characteristic of the proud, the unbeliever, the rebellious. The, the, the Babylonians were, were conquering nation after nation after nation. They could not get enough. There, there's a story... Uh, don't know whether it's totally true. I mean, there's some debate as to whether this is, this is accurate. But there's there's a old story, nevertheless, about Alexander the Great who who wept because he realized there were no more worlds to conquer. He he could not get enough, and that's what the Lord is saying about the Babylonians and about Nebuchadnezzar. He is like death. And cannot be satisfied. And by the way, notice the, the, he even draws that very analogy here of death. Nebuchadnezzar, the, the Babylonians are like death. Can't get enough. Can't get enough. Death, we often say, don't we, it doesn't discriminate. The scripture says hell is, is, is never full. The place of the dead. It's not talking necessarily about place of torment there, but uh, Sheol, Sheol, the place of the dead is never full. It's, it's, there's always room for more. Death can't get enough. 
And he's saying that's the way the proud live. They, they live out lives of self-seeking and greed. And nothing is ever enough. He gathers to himself all nations, heaps up for himself all peoples. Will not all these take up a proverb against him? Now, he's saying there's, there's going to be a, a taunt. There's, there's going to be retribution. He does these things now, but judgment is coming. And then the, the Lord gives Habakkuk five woes. He pronounces five woes upon uh, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians. <clears throat> and we're only going to cover about three of them this morning. Uh, this first one in verse 6, Will not all these take up a proverb against him and a taunting riddle against him and say, Woe to him who increases what is not his own. How long? And to him who loads himself with many pledges. Will not your creditors rise up suddenly? Will they not awaken who oppress you and you will become their booty or their spoil? Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the people shall plunder you. Again, he's pronouncing judgment on Babylon. Even before they actually uh, conquered Jerusalem, he's saying, the Lord is saying, they're going to they're come in, they're going to destroy Jerusalem, they're going to conquer the people of Israel, but their day is coming also. And what they're actually doing is increasing their own debt. And the day is coming when they're going to have to pay up. Judgment is going to be poured out on them. Because they have plundered many nations, they will be plundered. So that's the first woe. They will be plundered like they have plundered because of the bloodshed, because of their greed. And then in verse 9, the second woe. Woe to him who covets evil gain for his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of disaster. You gave shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples and sin against your soul. For the stone will cry out from the wall and the beam from the timbers will answer. Woe to him, he says, who sets his nest on high. That is, they, they are all about their own safety and all about building up their own house, all about self-seeking. And he's saying in the end it's going to be in vain. Because while you seek to protect your own possessions, in fact, increase your own possessions, and protect self, in the end, your day's coming. Judgment is sure. And what you are doing ultimately is forfeiting your life. Verse 10, you give shameful counsel to your house, cutting off many peoples, and sin against your own soul. He's telling them, the Babylonians, that the prideful, the unbelievers, the wicked, you are, in actuality, sinning against your own soul. While you seek safety and comfort, while you live this life of uh, selfishness out, thinking that you're taking care of yourself, you're, you're increasing your possessions, your riches, all the while what you are doing in reality is sinning against your own soul because in the end, judgment is coming. You're forfeiting your life. 
and your works will stand as a testimony against you. Verse 11, For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the timbers will answer it. That is, the, the very, their very works that they take pride in will testify against them. Verse 12, the third woe. Woe to him who builds a town with bloodshed, who establishes a city by iniquity. Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor to feed the fire and nations weary themselves in vain? They cross... uh, the land over there, destroying everybody in sight, building, uh, as it were, their own towns and cities uh, through bloodshed, establishing their cities by lawlessness. And trouble is coming. Judgment's coming. So of the Lord. Verse 13, Behold, is it not of the Lord of hosts? He, in fact, He's the one that's really... In control, he's the one that's really in power overall. It's what the term "Lord of Hosts" there means. Um, and it's an important <clears throat> name of God, by the way. If, you, if you're looking at a if, like a NIV, it'll I think it says "Lord Almighty," but the term here, the, the word "host" means like armies, and and it's it's used to make the point, uh, especially concerning here Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians that have this great military might, that there's one greater than you who's Lord over all armies. He's the Lord of hosts. Sabaoth is the word we sung in the song early, earlier. Lord, literally, Lord of Sabbath, Sabaoth. Lord of hosts. Is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people's labor to feed the fire that is, they're engaging in activity that in the end is useless. It's going to burn up. You spend your life in rebellion against God. You spend your life trying to acquire everything you can acquire. Uh, anything. We, we want comfort. We want possessions. We want status. And in the end, it's all vanity. And so he's saying of the wicked, they weary themselves. That is, they work hard. They, they pursue these things that in the end is not going to do a thing for them. Nations weary themselves in vain. This road, the road of the wicked, the road of the unbelievers, is, is a road to vanity. It's a road to nowhere. It's a road to emptiness. Everything that you work for now in this life uh, may, may seem to be valuable, but it's fool's gold. In the end, it won't stand the test. And he says it's of the Lord. Again, their judgment is, is coming. Well, we, Lord willing, cover the other two woes tonight as we move through the rest of the chapter. But for now, we're going to stop here. And then we come to the second group of people again, the believers. 
the righteous. A word for them in verse 14. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, that, that's got to be... Not, I mean, that's an exciting word, <laughs> no doubt. This is revelation coming from God. The vision that God's giving Habakkuk. Verse 2, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablet. This is God's word Habakkuk. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, that's an exciting word, but again, put yourself in Habakkuk's place because it's, it's, it's future. It's future. In other, words, in other words, the Lord's not saying, right now, today, Habakkuk, every, everything, I'm just going to do everything that you would like done. I'm going to bring an end to all of this right now, and you're going to see righteousness prevail. No. But he is saying it's going to happen. He is saying it's sure. This is a word for the believers that in the end, all things will be made right. Now listen, that's, that's about the best way I know to say it. And I tell you, that ought to bring joy to a Christian's heart. In the end, God is assuring His people, those who live by faith, those who trust Him, in the end, all things will be made right. Do you see injustice in the world? There's, there's injustice in the world. Do you see trouble in the world? Things that just seem inexplicable. Tragedy. The death of a child. It, it, it. The past couple of weeks, in, in our community, I guess you could say this area, you know how many teenagers have been lost? There were six at one time down on the Red River. And then this young man whose family we knew, 14, viral meningitis presumably, in a week's time, he was gone. Then they had a shooting the other night. Three teenagers from one family gone. Are there bad things in the world? And then, of course, we've talked about stuff before, some of the, just some of the crazy stuff that goes on in our society and, and some of the crazy rulings that get handed down by judges who are supposed to be upholding the law Where's the justice? Where's the righteousness? And the Lord is assuring His people that all things will be made right. The wicked will be judged. And the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth. <laughs> That's good news. It's, it's, it's a double blessing. All, all of God's enemies will be destroyed in the end. He's saying... Like the song we sing, Victory in Jesus. That's, that's the message of the book of Revelation. If you study the book of Revelation, I know it, it's human nature. We, we tend to get hung up a lot on symbolism. You know, we want to figure out what every eyeball means, what every feather means and every wing. And 
Listen, the main message of the book of Revelation is that Jesus comes out victorious in the end. That He is victorious. In fact, that's the main message of the Bible. God is going to make all things right. Now, you, we may, like Habakkuk, we may, we may question God and we may say, why, Lord, do you allow these things to go on now? And God may, ultimately, I think He does. He keeps that to Himself. It's a secret. It's hidden. Moses said to the children of Israel, uh, the things that God has revealed belong to us. Remember that, by the way. That's an encouragement for Bible study because God has revealed a lot. And the things that He has revealed belong to us. But, Moses said, the secret things belong to the Lord. He hasn't revealed everything. And if you've noticed, we've been going through these answers. Habakkuk says, why, Lord, why? And God opens up a lot of things. He, he lets him in on a lot of things that are happening, that are about to happen, that are going to happen in the distant future. But He really doesn't explain why. But He does assure him that in the end, all things will be made right. And the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So there are two lives represented here, two roads to take in this world. One is that of the proud. Those who reject God, reject His revelation. And when I say that, I mean they rebel against doing His will. They may not verbally reject Him. They may not say, I don't believe in God. I don't like God. They may not say things like that. In fact, they may profess to believe on Him. But the question is, are you doing His will? Am I doing His will? Am I following Him? Am I living by faith? So that road leads to death and destruction. Judgment is sure. Judgment is promised. And the other road is the life of the believer. The just shall live by his faith. And for the wicked, here's a word of assurance that judgment is coming. And for the believer, here's a word of assurance that all things will be made right. In the end, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. One is a life of self-seeking. The other is a life of seeking the glory of God. I want to look for a moment uh, before we close here at a, at a passage in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4. There's, there's much, much that could be said here about the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And I, and I think the, the implication in Habakkuk and in all of the Bible is that 
while it is seen now, it is present now, it is revealed now, it's not fully manifested, manifested in a, in a, in a way in which will be recognizable to all, but that day's coming. Now, some, it, it, the glory of the Lord is seen, it's here, but some are, remain blind. Some are still blind to it. And so they, they, they still live in rebellion. They don't believe. But the day is coming when even they will not be able to deny it. And then the glory of the Lord will be revealed uh, in all of its fullness. And those that, uh, the enemies of the Lord, those who rebel are taken away. And the earth is filled with His glory. But let, let me show you this before we close. The wording is similar, and, and uh, this, this, this is ultimately what is in mind here when we talk about the glory of God. Second <clears throat> Corinthians 4, 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the glory of God is seen even now in the face of Jesus Christ. And how, how is it seen? We, we live in a, in a world that's covered with darkness, spiritually speaking. So, how is it seen? Well, there, there has to be illumination. There has to be light. And Paul, the Apostle Paul here, likens it to creation. When, when God created and said, let there be light. Everything was dark. And God spoke. Divine fiat, at, at, at that instant, there's light. He created light, and so then things can be seen. Paul says that's how it is with seeing the glory of God. God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, he's referring to creation, has shown in our hearts, that is the hearts of believers, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. So He has revealed to us, made known to us, the knowledge of His glory, the glory of God. The way Jonathan Edwards would say it, His excellencies, His goodness, His mercy, His, His power, his holiness. He, he has commanded light in the heart of believers so that we can see His glory. That is, so that we can have a knowledge of His glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That, that is to say, it, it is not known any other way. God has revealed His glory in the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why I say there, there are two categories of people. Believers and unbelievers. Those who follow Christ, that is, they see the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. They look at, 
at Jesus Christ. They, they look at the Gospels, read the Gospel, hear the Gospel, and don't just see another story. They see a Savior. They see God in the flesh intervening to save. And they look at Jesus Christ and don't just see another man. Again, they see God in the flesh, the Savior. The glory of God is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Lord is saying to Habakkuk, there's a day coming when that knowledge is going to cover the earth like the waters cover the sea. That's pretty thorough. <laughs> and every, everything that would hinder, in other words, all of the darkness, all of the enemies... Going to be removed. Going to be removed. So there's two roads. One, one leading to death, destruction. It's a self-seeking journey. Living for self. Full of pride. Living for the now. What this life has to offer. Living for satisfaction. For for the flesh, for self. And then there's this road of faith. The just shall live by his faith. Faith because this time when all things are made right is, is not yet. It's in the future. So the just has to live by his faith. He has to trust God. He or she has to trust God that God is true. That His Word is true. And that in the end, He will make all things right. The just sees the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And the end of that journey is life and glory. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. So there's two groups of people unbelievers and believers. For the unbelievers, the Bible promises judgment in the end. There's a day coming, Paul said in Athens, God will judge the world through one man, that's Jesus Christ, and we're told that every single person will stand before Him in judgment. So for the unbeliever, there's a promise of condemnation. But for the believer, there's a promise of salvation. All things made right. Living in the fullness of the knowledge of the glory of God. Two roads. Which one are you on this morning? Living for self. Going hard after the desires of the flesh, the things that please the flesh, are going hard after Jesus. The just shall live by his faith. That is, he'll trust God and follow Christ. Would you stand? And we'll close. This sermon is made available through the ministry of Fillmore Baptist Church in Princeton, Louisiana. Our desire is to faithfully proclaim the message of salvation which God has provided in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. 
For more resources and information, please visit our website at www.fillmorebaptist.org. You may use the links there to contact us or write us at Fillmore Baptist Church, 6304 Highway 80, Princeton, Louisiana, 71067.